Let me read two verses to you. One is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. So let's just stand a moment and let's read the Word of God together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And then we'll go to Psalms chapter 7, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And then we'll go to uh, the book of Psalms chapter 7, verse 17. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. See, so it's not just singing. It's not just knowing about it. Thanksgiving is not just about knowing what to do when you get to church. It's about mixing what you do, reading the words, singing, enjoying each other with gratitude in your hearts to God. Because a lot of us, frankly, don't have gratitude in our heart. We think we're entitled to all the stuff we get. And we catch an attitude if we don't get our stuff. I know I see it all the time. People arguing and fighting and wanting to sue each other for the smallest things because I deserve better. You don't deserve anything. We're just fortunate to be alive. Let's be straight here. In, in other parts of the world, people don't even have houses. They live in huts. They, li- they live in shanties. Right now in Haiti, the average, the average Haitian right now is going through a hell on earth. Anything can happen at any given time. The fact that you woke up this morning and your refrigerator is full, like was said early on, Minister Helen mentioned something that we take for granted. Oh man, I don't know. It's hard. Too many things on this menu. What? Be grateful. Some people don't have a menu because they're not getting dinner today because there is no dinner. Oh, I don't know what to wear this morning in church. I'm not going to church because I can't make a decision as to what to wear. Some people don't have shoes. We need to really readjust our thinking because we have become spoiled. One of the worst things that a human being can become is spoiled. Really, we need to once again be thankful. And I'll share with you in a couple of minutes why it's very important to become once again thankful. And then it says in verse 17, whatever you do, say with me, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, in other words, what you say or what you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now let's go a moment to the book of Psalms, chapter 7, verse 17. The book of Psalms is somewhere in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 7:17. Oh, how good, or rather, oh, how grateful and thankful I am to the Lord, because He is so good. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, who is above all lords. I'm going to say it again. Oh, how grateful and thankful I am to the Lord, because He is so good. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, who is above all lords. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful day, for this privilege, this gift called today. And thank you for your love. 
Thank you that you loved us so much that you made provision for us, my God. That you made a way for us to remain connected with you throughout all of eternity. And that you love us not just in eternity, but you love us today. You love us now. You thought about us even before we were born, my God. And we thank you for your kindness. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I pray, dear Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us, Lord God. Let your word become life. Let your word become reality in us, O God. We give you the glory for it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, brethren. Oh, how grateful and thankful I am to the Lord because he is so good. One of the things that today's society, especially liberal thought and the revisionist uh, uh, society is doing, is that trying to change the image of God from a good, benevolent and merciful God who went on the cross for us to a bad God or an unfair God. And they pick verses out of the Bible that are out of context and then they try to create an image or an impression that if that God was so good, why does he do this? Why does he permit that? Why does he allow that? And they're doing it over and over. They're doing it on TV. They're doing it on SNL. They're doing it around your block. Uh, Even the politicians sometimes. If you dare to run for office and you declare yourself to believe in the Bible, forget it. They're going to tar and feather you. They're going to make you look like some form of ridiculous zealot or some form of exaggerated person. But God is a good God. And we need to once again go back to the roots of even this nation, the founding of this nation. Yes, things happened. Yes, atrocities were performed. But you know the best of humanity came out when they came and they sat around God's word and they realized that God was telling telling them in scripture, love your neighbor, do good to those, even those that persecute you, do good to them, share God's love with them. We're the ones that do bad. When you look at all parts of history, it was always humans that perpetrated evil against each other. Jesus didn't have to go on the cross and die. He did that for us. He did that because he knew that without his intervention and help, we would always fall short. We have a saying in Spanish, whatever we do with the right hand, we mess it up with the left. Lo que hacemos bien con una mano, lo destruimos con otra mano. And it is true. We do something good and then we turn around and mess it up. I, I'm, I'm so amazed that we're so smart that we could create tools and resources that would allow us to drive to work, uh, to be able to uh, live longer. Uh, we are able to find out uh, that a certain med, given the proper dosage, can help you and heal you. And yet we use the same medicines to harm each other. We use the same things to harm each other. Um, the Internet, what an awesome tool. I could communicate with people. We were on the phone, uh, not, not a phone, but on Internet, a webinar with pastors all over the world just this past Thursday. What an awesome tool. Yet people use the, the, the internet to plant bombs, to, to do the sex trade, to hurt and maim people. Just the other day we saw, a, I think, a girl that committed suicide because, uh, or a guy that committed suicide because they put his picture on the internet. You know, the same technology that has so put some potential to help, we use it to destroy each other. All of that is in us. God, why are you allowing it? You know why he allows it? Because God made us free moral agents. In other words, he gave us the authority and the ability to make decisions. 
whether it's right decisions or wrong decisions. And he respects his creation enough to abide by their decisions and then have to reap the consequences. In the book of Genesis, he put a law called the law of sowing and reaping. What you plant is what you reap. Then he taught us about it. He says, uh, he says my children, if you sow good seed, you're going to reap a good harvest. But if you sow evil, you're going to reap evil unto yourself and your families. So he gave us the laws that allow us to be able to live to the max in this lifetime and then bless our children and our grandchildren. Years ago, there were these kids that wanted uh, to go uh, to their neighbor's pool. So what they would do is they'd run over to the side and they'd go in and then they'd go swimming. But the, the, the owner of that pool didn't like that. But they kept on sneaking in and going and, and swimming and, and enjoying and leaving a mess. One day, one of the kids runs over and, and he's looking at the other guys. He says, come on, let's go to the pool. So he runs to the pool and he throws himself. Uh, there was no light there. And he didn't realize that the pool was empty. But you know what happened? The owner had created a fence around it to barricade anybody from coming in because he knew these kids would come in and misuse his private property. So he said, oh, he's not going to keep me from having fun. So he climbed over the fence, ran in and threw himself. There was no water because they were working on the pool. So uh, the accident obviously he had an accident, he became paralyzed because he, he hit it head first. So was the owner trying to keep him from having fun or was the owner trying to protect him from harm? So sometimes barriers, we have to create barriers. We as parents understand that for our children. We create barriers for them so that they won't hurt themselves. We try to teach them, don't touch fire, you're going to get burned. Don't touch that iron. Don't run across the street. And we worry for our children because our children don't have the peripheral understanding that it takes to know what is, what is good and what is evil. And that's how God treats us. He treats us like uh, beloved children that he loves. And he, treat, he, he teaches us by his word. And he teaches us uh, morals. And he teaches us um, how to be able to, to utilize life and enjoy life and be a blessing to each other. We're the ones that decide to jump over the fences. I don't care what God says, I'm going to do it my way. And then when we're in all the mess... And then when we're sick and diseased, and then when we're in a prison, how many guys and men and women today in prison because they refuse to obey one of the laws of God? I'm going to do it my way. Yet mother was praying for them, father was praying for them, but they went out and they wanted to do it their way. Now in the prison, they're in prison, they're angry at God, they're angry at their mother, they're angry at the, they should just be angry at themselves. And ask God to help them. One of my good friends, who's a great pastor today, he had, to do, he had to do prison time. And in prison time, Jesus showed him in a vision. His whole life, he said, son, I've been after you all your life. And I've been trying to help you here and here and here. But you pushed me away each and every time. You find yourself here now. And even here, I'm reaching out to you because I love you. And I want to do a great thing in your life. And I want to work mightily through you. And there he gave his life to Jesus. He says, Father, I am so sorry. I've been messing up my life. I finally realized it's been my, my fault all along. I'm the one that's been rejecting wisdom. I'm the one that's been rejecting my mother's prayers. I'm the one that's been rejecting your word. But today, I make a decision to serve you. And what God is saying with that, uh, to join him in life, partner with him in life, to receive the sacrifice on the cross, what he's actually saying to, to us, he says, I want to partner with you in life, and I have a great and awesome purpose for you. I'm not going to take your life away. I'm going to give it back to you, but now 
in spades, so to speak. I want to give you life, and I want to give you life in abundance. And we misunderstand or, or don't understand what living with Jesus is. We think it's, oh, i got to go to church on Sunday. No, no. The reason why we go to church on Sunday is because the corporate family comes together to receive instruction and to thank God uh, for his goodness. You know, and we receive the wisdom of God because it's important. Because you're receiving somebody's wisdom. Anytime you sit down and watch the novelita, you know what the novelita is, right? Anybody here watch the novelita? Or the novels? No? Well, do you watch Smallville? That's a novel. Some of you watch, uh, well, what, what do you watch? 901.238967. You're watching something. Are you aware? That, that's not really happening. It's a couple of people sitting down in a big boardroom deciding, well, we're going to do this week. We're going to do that week. It's a lie. You know, he really can't uh, stop bullets. He really can't jump on a single bound. There's a new movie out. Uh, not new, a new series, No Ordinary Family. Anybody seen it? Yeah, two people seen it. Rest of you are liars. The altar will be open in a couple of minutes. You know, he really can't jump a whole building in a single bound. His wife really can't run faster than a locomotive. These things are all lies. There are philosophies that are being fed to them. We sit there. You know, we, no, literally, we're on automatic and we are receiving their wisdom, their philosophy, and we don't even understand what's going on. We're being amused. You, have you ever been amused by something? Yes, we are a, a, a nation of people that want to be in, amused and entertained. The problem with being amused is uh, amused comes from two words. A, which means not, and muse, which means to think. When it's atypical, it's not typical. So amuse means not thinking. So when you're being amused, you're not thinking. Somebody else is doing the thinking for you. You're like on neutral you're open to suggestions. So what happens is after a while you start believing the junk you see on TV. You start believing what others are starting to say to you or say to you on an ongoing basis. You start believing what the majority of the people have to say to you. But we have to really, really stop and think, what is it that I'm allowing to go into my eye gates and my ear gates? Because many times it's junk. And you know what happens when you mix junk in a nice clean glass of water? Take a nice clean glass of water and throw some junk inside of it. You get gunk, exactly. <laughs> and we gunk up our system. We gunk up our thinking. We gunk up our, our way of looking at life. And after a while we start thinking, oh, life is not worth it. It's terrible. It's horrible. No, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Amen. It's incredible. You and God, oh man, what a journey. Amen. But we've got to get back to God. We've got to get back to His principles. We've got to get back to His Word. Hallelujah. Amen. Are we grateful for what we have around us? Or have we gotten used to complaining? How many of you this morning or maybe Friday or Thursday, you went to work and somebody complained? Uh, you're driving and, and a taxi driver or somebody behind you. Ah! Anybody? On Friday, I saw a scenario that just annoyed me. The car is trying to make a turn. He has to stop because an old lady's crossing the street. A taxi's right behind him. Bam! Forget about the driver who was looking back at him. I wanted to go to the taxi driver and slap him. <laughs> Dude, the lady, don't you see? I, mean, I really wanted to do something. People are complaining about everything. Like so many. Most of us have gotten involved in that too. Most of us are complaining. 
We complain about everything. We see complaining as we go to work every day. We see complaining as we take the train. Anybody here complain when you're taking the train? I got more hands this time, yeah. Yeah, I, I admit, I, sometimes I complain about the train. But yet, the train, if, if it wasn't there, I'd have to walk 12 miles to work. So even we have to be thankful about the train. As nasty as it could be sometimes. <laughs> what about how bad your bosses are? Anybody complain about how bad your boss is? How about the fact that you still have a job to go to? All throughout the United States, there are people that don't have a job right now. And their, and their checks are just about ready to be finished because they haven't been able to find a, a job for 18 months. They, be, they gladly take your place, that's for sure. Oh, my job, horrible job. At the end of the week, <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> you don't mind the check, but we don't want to deal with our horrible bosses. You know what God should do? God should promote you and make you a boss. So you can see how difficult sometimes the decisions are. And how, and how sometimes you are not aware of it, your boss is getting pressure from the higher-ups. And they have to be the way they are sometimes. Or they themselves are frustrated because they're frustrated with dealing with some of us. Because for any little thing, we're always complaining. I think I'm meddling too much. Let me get to the next point. So the first thing I just want to share, are you grateful that God has given you an assignment in life? Say to your neighbor, God has given you an assignment. Everything God creates has a purpose. We all have a purpose in life. But here's the issue. The assignment that we have many times is not recognized by ourselves. Sometimes we don't realize that we have an assignment. So therefore, since we don't realize we have an assignment, we don't recognize it and it remains hidden. Say to your neighbor, you have an awesome assignment. You have an awesome purpose. Go on, say it. You have an awesome purpose. If you don't realize that, your uniqueness, your gifts, your, your, your preciousness, because God made you precious, won't be able to be shared with your loved ones or your friends until the day that you recognize that you're special, Amen. that God made you special, unique. Yes. Psalms 139 verse 14 says this, Psalms, thir- Psalms 139, 14. I will praise thee, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knoweth right well. Let me read that verse from the New Living Bible. Open up your spirits a moment. Open up your thinkers. Open up your mind and listen to this. Listen to what David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said to God when he realized how precious God had made him. As an individual. Look how he says. He says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were with me when I was being formed in utter seclusion in the womb. You saw me right before I was born and you scheduled each day in my life before I began to even breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count the many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you're still thinking about me. Isn't that awesome? Wow. You are, that's Psalms 139, I read verses 14 through 17 in the Living Bible. But that's what it is. God's constantly thinking about us. And you know, that's the, the, the sad thing about abortion. 
The law has said that you're not a human being until you come out of the body of your mother. But yet God is saying that while he's forming you, he already knows you. He knows your your uniqueness. He's already planned your days for you. He's already decided to think about you every day. But the law says we're not really a human being. Uh, Well, uh, God tends to disagree with that. You're very special. So say to your neighbor, you're precious. And you have a purpose. And you have a destiny. The second question, are we grateful for the people around us since they have what we lack? Are we grateful for the people around us? Look at your neighbor, both right and left. Are you grateful for that person? What about the person behind you? What about the person in front of you? Are you grateful for that person? When Jesus walked on earth, when Jesus walked on earth, he had the, 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 the complete anointing. He was the fivefold ministry. He was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He was the great shepherd. He had the anointing without measure. He's the only human being that ever had that. Every one of us have a portion of that anointing, a portion of that grace gifting. Here's the beauty about it, and here's the challenge. The beauty is that you have an aspect of God that oozes from you, that exudes from you. But you don't have it all, so you can't do it all. So the downside is we can't do it all. So say to anybody, stop trying to do it all. You can't do it all. And some of you try to do it all, but you can't because you weren't made that way. And when, when Jesus speaks about the church, he says, that's my body, the body of Christ. So you might be a finger. Who here is a toe? toe? All right, Mike's a toe. All right, toe. Hey. Who here is a liver? A liver, a pancreas. Hey, David's a pancreas. All right. It's funny, but the truth of the matter is God calls us a body. Notice, all of us have a part to play, and they're all important. They're all important. There's not one part of my body that I want you to take out. I, I, I enjoy the whole thing. I just like the way my body operates with each other. You know, I just enjoy it. Yeah, it's true. I, I really appreciate it. Because if I didn't have my teeth and I didn't have my tongue, my stomach would remain empty. Soup for you. <laughs> right, it would have to be so. I couldn't bite into a nice set of, you know, chuletas or something like that. I need my teeth. Leave my teeth right where they're at. Every part is important. And, and what happens is, is because we don't recognize that person around us, we cannot benefit from the grace gifting that resides in them. Everything you need is close to you. You might not have it all in here, but you have it all around here. So our failure to recognize those, those around us limit the very benefits that we can receive in life. And since we don't recognize ourselves, we fail to benefit those around us because we ourselves have something to give. So are you thankful for yourself? Are you thankful for those around you? See, we have to shift. I mean, oh, man, I love people. I mean, I love life, but I hate people. I can't stand people. Man, if the world were, 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 would get rid of all the people and just leave me alone, I'd be happy. My wife calls it the people factor. Everything's perfect until people show up. 
soon as people show up, that's it. There goes the neighborhood. And then, yeah, like that se dañó la cosa. <laughs> Suddenly everything's damaged. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, we need each other. We can't do this alone. My progress, my promotion, to a great degree, has to do with my partnering with you and with you and, and you partnering with me. Hallelujah. Amen. So I appreciate that. If I fail, point, point to yourself. If I fail to be grateful for those around me, I will miss out on the hidden gifts that reside in others. God has connected them to me so that they can be a blessing to me. So it could be a blessing to my family. And God connected them to me so that I can be a blessing to them. Amen. Third point. Are we grateful for the opportunities that come to us every day? Most of us don't take care of We don't take advantage of opportunities. You know why? They look like work. They're disguised as work. And we run away from most things called work. But when I decide to be grateful for what I already have around me, I can then see what I lack and I can connect myself with the very things that I need. See, since I know I don't have it all, since I know I can't do it all, I start searching. See, if I think I have it all, I stop searching. I get comfortable. Right? And most of us are that way. If I have enough, I turn off. But that's... that's we're missing the mark with that because it's not enough for you to just have enough and be satisfied with it. You need to have more. You need to be able to be all you're supposed to be because there are others that depend on you. Oh, that's all right. I got enough, man, to take care of. I don't care about anybody else. Well, the neighbor, ah, that's not my problem. It's not my, it's not my problem, man. It's not my problem. Oh, yeah, man. Do people talk like that? And then you actually mean it. It's not my problem. Yes, it is. It's not enough for you just to have your own little blessing we have to bless others so the thing is am i grateful for opportunities you know you might get an opportunity next week that it's not going to be for you because you already have enough it's going to be for somebody else and god loves you so much and he wants to partner with you but he also wants to partner through you so he wants you to be so prosperous that you have enough for your family and then you have enough for others too it's not enough to be just getting by God doesn't want you to just get by. He came to give us life and life in abundance. Why? When you have an abundance, now you could be a blessing to others. When Christ died on the cross, he didn't die uh, on the cross poor. He was rich beyond measure. When he died on the cross, he released an anointing. He released a love. He released a, a, a salvation that started pouring out the moment he died and rose again. But it continues to pour out even today. That's how much is coming out of him. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know you're the very same way. The more you give out of who you are, the more starts flowing through you. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I need to be amazed Every day, I need to be astounded every day. I need to be in awe every day as to how Christ, present on earth, was thinking about me and was thinking about my neighbors. But you know what's the sad thing? When Christ was walking on earth and he's healing people and he's talking about the word of God, the word of his father, the people that were the priests in that day, who were the lawgivers, who were the ones in charge with teaching everybody theology, 
who were supposed to teach him about the Messiah didn't know that the Messiah was there. The ones that were teaching about Christ, and well, you got to expect Christ. Christ is coming. He's coming. The Messiah is on his way. Messiah is walking by them and they're saying, who are you? I am convinced that many of us do not know. We come to church, but we don't know Messiah. We don't know the love of God. We talk about it. Our parents taught us about it. We know church, but we have very little relationship with our precious Lord who loves us so much. My God. So are we grateful for the opportunities? And the fourth thing, are we grateful that God loves us? Or are we not even aware that he does? Love is the great healer. Love is the great restorer. My God, I'm so grateful to God that I'm loved. I am, I'm loved. It just changes me. It it gives me affirmation. It gives me... uh, I don't know. I just feel good about myself. Almighty God loves me. My family loves me. I know. My wife told me just yesterday, I love you. Amen. So I love you too. Back at you. <laughs> yeah, I, we, yeah I, feel, I feel loved. It's an amazing thing when we could share that love. But do we know that we are loved? So say to your neighbor, do you know you're loved? Love was present when the Lord Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. He didn't have to do that. Because in the garden, he asked the Father, he said, Father, is there any other way that, this, that we can do this? Is there any way that we can settle the sin of mankind? He said, no other way. This is the way. My God. Because what happens in that eternal struggle, when Adam was placed here on earth, God said, I make you the manager over all the earth. You're the one in charge. See, most people don't understand the reason why Jesus had to go on the cross. So when Adam, on earth, he said, you are a lion. You are a cow. You are a turtle. You know what happened? On earth it was established because man was in charge. Adam was a spirit being clothed in a physical body. Is the first of its kind. God made that being very precious. Every other being God created, but of Adam, he said, let's make this one, this breed, this special creation, let's make them in our image and in our likeness. So you're made in a very, with a very special DNA. So when God created Adam, he then breathed into Adam. Once he made the body, breathed. It became a living soul. It's a special, unique creation. And then he said, you are in charge of this earth realm. This spirit man in an earth suit is the one that's in charge. Anything that happens on earth, you are in charge. You're responsible. You are my steward on earth. So when the day came, and God explained to him, he said, listen, you could uh, be in charge of everything. That tree in the center, you cannot have. That's mine. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God's always had something that he reserves to himself. And he looks for our obedience to just partner with him, but also to obey. So Adam decides to break God's law and to do whatever he wanted to do. So later on, God goes, Adam, Adam, what are you doing? Adam says, well, we're hiding because we're afraid of you. So who told you that? Well, we ate of the fruit. So God says, okay, all right. 
You just finished handing over your authority to the person that deceived you. So what has happened throughout all of these thousands of years is that enemy of our souls has been in charge here in the earth realm. Who messed it up? The man. Who messed it up? The spirit being with the earth suit. Now, here's where it gets very complex, but I'm going to share it as simply as I can. Because when I understood it this way, I said, oh, that's why. Whenever God wants to do something on earth, you know what he does? He speaks to a man to get it done. You know why? Man's in charge. Well, hold on. So he's God. He could do whatever he wants. Yeah. And you know what he did? You know what he wanted to do? He already did it. He put man in charge. When God creates a law, he himself submits to the very law that he creates. So whenever God wants to do something on earth, he has to have man do it. So he'll call out to man. He says, who on earth is partnering with me? Whether it's a Moses, whether it's a Daniel, whether it's a Joseph, God will always seek a man to partner with so that his will would be done on earth. What was Jesus' prayer? That's the middle part. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. See, notice why he says that. Why do you have to pray that way? Because God's will is being done on heaven, but now he teaches men, pray this way. Let the will of God in heaven be also done on earth. Give us wisdom that we could do your will on earth. Why? Because man is the one that does God's will on earth. So who messed it up? Man. Who had to fix it? Man. God didn't mess it up. Man had to fix it in this earth realm. Problem is, who's in charge of earth? Spirit beings with earth suits. Anytime God wants to do something, he seeks a spirit man with an earth suit. Anytime the devil wants to do something on earth, who does he seek? Spirit man with an earth suit. Because the devil can't do anything on earth either without the partnership of man. That's why he's always seeking to deceive us. That's why you have to be very careful because most of the stuff you see on TV, most of the stuff you see in the theaters is actually part of that deception. But if we hear it enough, we think it's normal. No, very dangerous. So look at the cross. Somebody had to pay. Somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to make it right. Somebody had to reboot the system. So in heaven, there's a communication. And God the Son says, Father, I will go. I will become man. And I will live out life perfectly. I will die on the cross for sin Somebody has to pay the penalty. Somebody has to pay the price. Make it right so that all of humanity could once again be restored back to you. So that's what he did. God was born in the flesh. You know the Christmas story? Why? Because of that very thing. Because it had to be a man to fix it. But here's the problem. Couldn't just be any man. As soon as man is born, he is tainted with the same sin of the Adamic nature. Because we all have the Adamic bloodline. It had to be somebody perfect. It had to be somebody pure. It had to be somebody that didn't carry that bloodline. So how was Jesus born? Who was, who was the mother? Mary. Absolutely. He was born by a woman. But what about that, that, that sin thing? Who was the father? The Holy Ghost. He was a pure seed. It was not from the Adamic nature. He was a man but the seed was perfect. So when he was born, he was born without sin. So as he grew up, he watched 
As a child, he already learned the word. He became a rabboni. He became a rabbi of rabbis. He became a teacher of teachers. He became a prophet of prophets. Even at early age, he was already in church, in the temple, asking questions and learning and dialoguing with the priests. At age 30, watch this, 30 years he prepared for three years of ministry. 30 years he prepared for his job, for his assignment. We want to prepare for six months and we want to fly already. Jesus took 30 years and boy did he do it right. And then throughout the three years and a half, what did he do? He healed people, shared the word and prepared himself for that day where he would become the Lamb of God that takes the sin from the world. So while he's dying on the cross... They spat on him, they beat him, they ripped his beard, all sorts of atrocities. He's on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what we're doing here. And, he, and the Bible says he took his own life. He gave the ghost up. They didn't take it. You can't take my life. I'm giving my life here. Pilate told him, you, do you know who I am? This, I give my life here. I know exactly who you are. And very soon you're going to know who you are too. When he wakes up on the other side, goes through those pearly gates, and suddenly hears a voice, your name is not written in the book. Shoes will be on the other foot. They'll say, mercy. Oh, it's too late now. Well, Jesus died on the cross, rose again the third day, defeated hell, death, and the grave. And today, everyone that goes to Jesus says, Jesus, even though I have this sin issue, yeah, but I'm not a bad guy. I'm all right. I go to work, go home, you know, have a little coffee, watch a little TV. I don't bother anybody. But you still have the sin thing. It's in there. So you need it cleansed. So when we come to Jesus, we go before him and we say, uh, forgive me, Lord, cleanse me of this sin. And you know what he does? He goes in there and eradicates it from us. And then his blood cleanses us from every sin, past, present, and future. And now we become post-Adamic. We, we now become a new creature in Christ. The Bible actually says we're new creations in Christ. This is the important reason why we need to have a relationship with Christ. It's not because, oh, I got to be good now. I got to go to church. I got to stop doing stuff. No, no, no. Listen, from the, for the rest of your life, your in your body, you will deal with issues. You will have struggles. But your spirit man is now connected to Almighty God. Before you did him, you didn't care. Now you do him, you go, oh, I'm sorry. That's not my nature anymore. Because the new nature within you, amen, is helping you to address these very issues. So, are we grateful for God, for what he provided for us in Christ? John chapter 15. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. So are we in love with Christ? Do we realize what he's done for us? This week, as we enter the Thanksgiving week holiday, are we grateful? What's the first question? That I ask, are we grateful for ourselves? Are we grateful for who we are? So point to yourself right now. Say, I'm grateful for who God made me to be. Amen. What's the other thing we need to be grateful for? Are we grateful for those around us? So look to your left and to your right and say, I'm so grateful to you. (laughs) 
Number three, are you grateful for the opportunities that are around you? Are you grateful for what you have right now, what you possess right now? People, I'm being blown away. All you have to be is grateful for what God made you to be and for the resources you now have. Yeah, but I don't have my harvest yet. Yeah, but you might have the seed. If you have a seed, you're planted, you'll get the harvest. I share with my congregation, and with this I will close. Say amen three times. <laughs> yeah, you're happy now. Huh? Oh, listen, I'm on time. I, I'm watching the clock very closely. I know some of you are already saying, I want to know what's downstairs. <laughs> I have to say maybe about a year ago, I was talking with the congregation, and I shared a little journey with them. I took a course uh, at the place where I work, and at the end I told my supervisors and my instructors, thank you. I was grateful because I learned some more. I learned something to make me a better manager. So I, I emailed them. I said, thank you very much. You know that blew them away? There's not enough gratitude. There's not enough thanksgiving. It blew them away so much that they emailed me back. So, you know, we appreciate that you send us this email. We don't get enough of that. I said, I know you don't. That's why I'm thanking you. I appreciate that you gave me this information. A couple of days later, they called me up. They said, would you like to come to us to, uh, to Washington, D.C.? We would like you to testify as to how the class benefited you. I went, wow, sure. Put me up in a nice hotel. I was able to testify in the same places where senators were testifying, Senator Kerry and all these other guys that were up there. And I had an opportunity. And while I'm there testifying, one of the big bosses of where I work, the industry I work, were seated right next to me. And the, the vice president of my union, the union I belong, was seated right next to me. And I'm sitting next to them. And when I got up, I shared from the heart. So I want to thank the organization and everything. And I shared as professionally as I can. You know what happened? As soon as they got up, they went, we don't know if we could top this guy. And one of, and one of the big guys, and I know him because he's a multimillionaire. And just, wow. I looked at him and said, do you know who you are? I mean, it's just amazing. He grabs me and says, before I do anything, I have to conduct business. He grabs me, hugs me, and says, if your company isn't taking care of you, come to me. Call me directly. I will expedite your hiring. What did I do? All I did was say thank you. Little, a little after that, they asked me to go on a commercial. I was in a commercial. It was so cool. It was so much fun. A recycling commercial. Yeah, it was, it was, I had a lot of fun, man. I found out just three seconds of what it is to be an actor. And all that goes, oh, so cool. And then shortly after that, they called me again to go with them this time, this time downtown city council. I testified there. Then shortly after that, they said, would you like to be one of our instructors? I just finished teaching my first class just last week. Amen. Now I'm making more money. I got a promotion. I'm making more money all because I said thank you. Amen. Are we thankful enough? I don't think we've been. I think we've been spoiled. I think we've been really deceived. We need to be thankful. This guy, the rapper, I, I don't know where in the world he got that clo those clothing, though. Um, but he came, boo. But he was having a great time that day. But you know the difference? He wasn't thankful. He forgot the source of his blessings. And another thing he did was he forgot that each day is a gift. And we need to be thankful for every single day. Are we thankful for Almighty God? And are we thankful for what he did on the cross for us? Today I ask you not just to consider it. But remember, you have today. God blessed you with today. It's a gift to you. 
But every single day do you wake up understanding it's a gift. Well, I got about 30 or 40 years left. Uh, who told you that? Where can you guarantee you that? If you can guarantee that, let me know because I want to go to that very same place. The fountain of youth just does not exist. People throughout the ages have been looking for it. Exactly. You could be as strong as you want to be and be run over, right? Or, 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 you know, you step on soap in the bathroom, woo, and bam, that's it. You're gone. Let's all stand a moment. You're precious. You're special. And God loved us so much that he journeyed on this, in this lifetime to make sure that we have that provision that provision of salvation, that provision of relationship. And you know something? We didn't have to earn it. He earned it for us. It is a gift. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift? Wow, that was fast. You didn't even think about it, man. Woo-wee. Somebody goes, oh, what do I do? What do I do? You open up your hands and you accept it. You receive it. You don't fight it. You don't go, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. You don't go, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll take that gift tomorrow. Right? That, that's, is that what you do? Come Christmas time? Your mother and father give you a nice envelope with a card, $500 gift? What are you going to do? No, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I have no time for that today. No, you receive it. It's a gift to you. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads throughout this, uh, throughout, uh, this sanctuary. And consider the things I've just shared. Consider the, the drama that was also shared. How in life we can have something and then tomorrow it could be taken away just as quickly. But one thing can never be taken away from us. is the love of God. We receive it. It doesn't make a difference. Who tries to do what? That will never, ever, ever go away. God's love for you. They can't take away who you are. You're unique. You're special. There's an anointing in you that is lying there dormant, waiting to be released. And people are waiting for you to release that anointing, that gifting, that ability. And as you partner with God, He'll shift your life. Listen, I know what I'm talking about because I was a statistic by the age of 15. I knew I was going nowhere. I knew my life was going to be messed up. I knew my life was going to be short because the type of life that I was headed to was horrible. But one day when somebody explained this to me, I said, wow. God, help me. Help me to be what they say I can be. And you know, he heard my prayer. I didn't even know how to pray it. I prayed it in my own way. God, if you exist, if this is real, I want it. He came to me, filled me with the Spirit, turned me around. And today, I could say that was the best decision I ever made in my life. It's positively impacted me, my family, my children. It'll impact my grandchildren. But more than that, the day I leave this earth, I will be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. Because he said, I'm making provision for you while I'm over here. I have to leave, but I'm coming back for you. In my father's house, there are many dwellings. If it were not true, I wouldn't have told you this. But it is true. And we're preparing a place for you so that where we are, you can be also. So, Father, I pray for your people. I pray for our our precious guests here our family members and friends that the things that were shared this afternoon 
in this place via drama and via, via the shared word that it would become a personal revelation to them. I pray speak to their hearts, speak to their very soul and let them see, my God, how precious you made them to me. Let them see, even in this room, those around them that are also precious and that have something to give to them and they have something to give to us. Let them see, Lord God, the opportunities that you have made available for them in life. That we might be more thankful. And in a posture of thankfulness, we would be able to then discern the opportunities that are actually there present. Because once we appreciate who we are, and once we appreciate the things we have in our hands, the things we now possess, we will be able to take advantage of them. So bring us to that place of thankfulness as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, this Thanksgiving holiday. And finally, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross to reboot our relationship with you, to make everything new. And in Christ, we are new creations. We thank you for it. Reveal it to your people now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there where you're at, your head's bowed. If you've heard it this way for the first time, you realize, oh my God, I, I didn't know it. That, I didn't know that was, that was what it was all about. And if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, if you want to ask Jesus to cleanse you of that nature that needs to be dealt with, that nature that causes us to go astray, that nature that causes us to come short of the glory of God, that nature that pushes you away, oh God, even though you want to be so close to us, even though you want to walk with us in life, you want to bless us, you want to help us. I pray, oh God, that you would even show them right now. If that's you and you want prayer, I'm going to ask for the ministers and the deacons to come up this moment and be available for prayer. If that's you right now and you desire prayer, prayer is the place of power. Prayer is the place where you give God your weakness and He gives you His strength. That's where you give God that sin nature and He gives you that eternal nature that He made you to be and made you to have. So if you desire prayer this moment, you want to ask the Lord into your heart, please, I'm going to give a couple of moments for us to be able to pray with you. Come and receive prayer that is you now please come and don't ever be ashamed of prayer prayer is the place of power it's not the place of weakness please come up now ushers we also like you to come and get involved hallelujah 